My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hello, welcome to episode 114 of Legally Clueless. Remember, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can join our online community on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Legally Clueless and on Instagram, we are at Legally Clueless Podcast. We also, in addition to having these audio episodes, we have the video series that just launched. So again, in the link of this description, there is a link to our YouTube channel or you could just go onto YouTube and search Legally Clueless and you'll be able to watch our video series that is pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm biased, but hey. However, thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. I'm excited for the story that you're going to hear in this episode because it's come from one of you. Yes, a story demo was sent to the hotline number and we set up a virtual recording session to record Diana's story. My relationship with my dad, before I found out he was cheating, I was a daddy's girl. I was about eight years old (laughs) when I met one of the first women in my dad's life. On that same day, I remember asking him, why do you always go to very many different women, but you always go back to my mom? Don't you think maybe you should set her free? I would know that with my dad because they would even kiss in front of me. My mom asked me like, Diana, you have been knowing your dad is cheating my dad would say sometimes you're going to Tanzania and we'd just be in Nairobi somewhere you know and I see a certain behavior that reminded me about my dad I would just leave that relationship when he was with her he spent nine million in two months because I remember so many times I've told my mom even if it means just leaving this marriage and just going staying on your own remarrying we give you the blessings you know so that's a bit of diana's story we're going to get into it a little later in the episode so i wanted to share one major thing that i've been thinking about this week that finally kind of sort of makes sense (laughs) in my head so i know i've said this a lot on my instagram page i've said it a lot on this podcast that i'm in a space where i feel like i'm really coming home to myself and it's just like one of those themes that I keep trying to what is the English word well in Kiswahili it would be chambua (laughs) I'm trying to unpack yeah I guess that's what it is trying to unpack and sometimes it will come up in my therapy sessions and then this week it finally dawned on me a huge chunk of that feeling of coming home to myself is because I think I've made significant progress in healing from past traumas that had shifted or threatened my identity. When I survive certain things, internally, I parts of me, not my entire persona, but parts of me assumed a different identity or in some instances blocked out a huge chunk of myself just so that I could survive emotionally and mentally. I think the mind does that, right? So to protect you from whatever trauma you're experiencing, it almost doesn't want you to go back there, (laughs) you know? So now that I've first identified the parts of me that had shifted or felt threatened or had changed and then started working intentionally to heal those spaces, now that I've, I've made mad progress I'm coming back to that initial person that I was before the trauma oh my word it makes like when it hit me this week I think low-key I understood it but I just didn't have the words to express it when it hit me this week I was just like what (laughs) that is it that's what I'm feeling and it feels very very good but one thing that 
you know, because life is just not linear. So you're healing from this thing. You're coming back to the person you were before. And that could then create shifts in different relationships, which is why my therapist would really suggest couples therapy. And it's not only your intimate relationships that may shift is the word, because I don't want to say suffer, because for my partner and I, we really try and have a malleable relationship, knowing that things and people change. And so how does the relationship adapt to that? But it's not just intimate relationships. It's also friendships, you know, it's relationships with your family or people who are close to you, people who have identified with the persona you were while you were in survivor mode and you almost have to update them. <laughs> like, hey, 10% of healing has been done, meaning this has changed. <laughs> you know, Okay, I'm laughing about it, but it's, it's actually pretty serious, right? I don't think I have experienced that too badly because I do have friendships that have fizzled off or are fizzling off, but my core people I don't know, maybe because they knew me also before most of the traumas. They've walked with me through the traumas and through the healing. They get it. But I do know I wanted to share that specific part because it's a conversation that I've had with my therapist. And I was like, actually, that's so true. My experience could be different, but for somebody else, it could shift many of their relationships significantly. So I really wanted to share that. That's my big thing of the week. <laughs> my big, big thing of the week. So I just want to jump into the song of the week. I, let me just admit, have a huge girl crush on woman crush, you know, on this artist, Jamila Woods. I think I've shared almost all her songs with you, but it's just because she's so amazing. So uh, her most recent um, song that's out is a collaboration between her and Odd Couple. And the name of the song is Reflections. I think it's like a breakup song or like a reflection on a relationship. I genuinely just like the vibe. <laughs> Not going through any breakups, can't relate specifically to that, but like the song just has a nice, a nice vibe to it. And it's Jamila Woods. So go check it out. I've put a link to it in the description of this episode. But again, if you are listening on a platform that does not give you show notes, hem Spotify, please. <laughs> um, just search Reflections and it's by Odd Couple. And Jamila Woods. All right, let's jump into 100 African Stories. Our storyteller's name is Diana. She shares her childhood experiences being a witness to her dad cheating on her mom. 100 African Stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Diana. I'm from Kenya. Well, I would say my mom is very much Christian, like, you know, those mothers who are very Christian-like, they would not want you to listen to any secular music. They pray a lot. She's very nice, very forgiving. On the other hand, my dad, I would not say he's a Christian because we've seen all sides of him from him being Muslim, him trying Hinduism, him We've just gone through all the faces, I guess. <laughs> I'm a firstborn on my mom's end. Uh, on my dad's end, I'm practically around the 11th. So on my mom's end, I'm the firstborn. I have uh, three younger siblings after me. There is my brother who is immediately just few years after me and then there is the youngest siblings who are way younger the ones are like the ones my mom got I think 
that surprise <laughs> pregnancy because they're way younger. So it was always been me and my brother. He was the yin to my yang because he's just a few years younger. And me being raised with my dad more and being very tomboyish. Um, so I was more of always around him, teaching him how to ride bicycles, playing with him PlayStation and all that. My relationship with my dad, before I found out he was cheating, my relationship with my dad before even and after was pretty, I was a daddy's girl. My mom used to tell me my dad used to come home after, you know, after work, rush, before he would eat, he would look after me. He would be like, okay, uh, can I feed her? Can I, you know, bop her? And sometimes he would even get off from work and come and change my diapers and basically go back to work. It was not that he would come for lunch. No, he would just come and spend time with me. So I was much of a daddy's girl always. We were very, very close uh, when I was growing up. So how I found out about the cheating, it was not the conventional way of how everyone finds out about cheating. Because normally it's either you bump into a text or you know something you're just snooping around and you find something or through maybe your mom talking to her friends and you eavesdrop about it and you guess you know about that no that's not how I found out I was I was about eight years old <laughs> when I met one of the first women in my dad's life it was a very weird meeting because he just made an introduction like this is my daughter and he introduced me to her she, he was like what do you think about her and I was like okay she's nice but you know because I didn't know anything I had not connected any dots then so I was eight years old he would start changing women so much it was so awkward for me because it would be one woman this time uh, after two three months maybe four it's another woman and then again it's back to my mom and then it's another woman again it, it was a back and forth thing I remember I think I was almost 11 he confronted me about my older stepsisters all of them uh, basically have different mothers so he had asked if some of them can come live with us and I asked him why would he want that and he was like I would want all my kids in one place and I just told him if my mom is okay with it I would be okay with it because I'm not going to be the one who's going to raise them I was very outspoken since I was very young and being close to my dad I would tell him anything and speak my mind to him. So on that same day, I remember asking him, why do you always go to very many different women, but you always go back to my mom? Don't you think maybe you should set her free and let her go live her life? And then you can live your life as you wish, because clearly this is the life you want to live. I recall him saying, uh, the heart will always want what it wants. And he has loved my mom and that's his love. And I was like, okay, so is that the meaning of love? Like, you can leave anytime you feel like you come back anytime you feel like, you know, it's like a restaurant. You just walk in, walk out anytime you feel like. And it was hard for me to comprehend love. I was very close to my dad, like I said, more than my mom. And uh, most of my primary school part of it, I, I used to be with more my mom's mom and my dad around. So I just didn't have uh, a lot of intimacy or rather a relationship, close relationship with my mom. It was more all about my dad. Uh, so um, our step siblings, I remember, so he asked me when I was 11, I gave my blessings. After I gave my blessings, I think he went to talk to my mom about it. My mom, <laughs> I actually tell my mom, since I was very young, I used to tell her, 
I don't think I have a heart like hers. I don't think I would I would do what she has done. Raising even her own friends used to ask her, like, how would you raise other people's kids when their parents are alive, like their mothers are alive, you know? So I was I was twelve when one of my first step siblings started living with us. And then afterwards three more came. <laughs> so we were we were like they, they kept coming. All of them were older. There was just one, a fourth one who was younger than me by by years like she was way younger but that one came much later when I was 12 is when the older ones came so basically my mom has raised all of them through school my mom was really trying to give them the love that you know a mother would give kids and she did not want them to feel like they're they're not part of the family and most of the time to be honest I was really with my dad I was never at home at any point uh or rather when I was at home I was more of, I think that's when I discovered I'm an ambivert. Like I can be social sometimes and sometimes I just want to stay in my room and just not talk to anyone. So there was barely um, ever conflict because, and they never used to go see their parents. So that's the most awkward thing. They never used to go visit. They never liked it. I don't know why. So there was really never conflict and people at home used to know like, yeah, those are my sisters actually. Barely few people knew they were my stepsisters, like maybe mom's friends or other th- uh, other close friends of mine. But most of the people knew they are my siblings. Siblings. I remember more specific moments when I'd meet women my dad cheated with. I remember all of them. To be honest, I remember their names. I remember the ones maybe <laughs> uh, because I've I've had the ones that who were nice to me, and then there were the ones who we really never got along. Uh, so I'd remember, I I would not want to mention their names, but there are very, very many. Like today I would meet like Doctor Who and I'd be like, okay, wow, um, someone to look up to. And after two months, I would meet teacher. I remember every moment. They are very vivid in my mind because my dad was so close to me. So every woman who came into our lives, because it was our lives, I remember them. I remember what they were like, how they treated me, you know. At the age of nine, so eight, uh, like I said before, when I was about eight, I was quite confused. I did not know these women, what, you know, who they are. I thought maybe they're female friends. But now it got to a point, I knew they were with my dad because, first of all, we would move out of home. We would not be at home. We would either rent a place or we would go live. We'd, we'd just, you know, like get a house and live with them there. So, of course, I would know that with my dad because they would even kiss in front of me. So I'd be like, it's just a one plus one thing. And why are we moving out of home? And then it was always just me and my dad moving out of home and then we'd get back. Or sometimes my younger brother who follows me would be dragged into it. But most of the times it was just me and my dad. And I knew all about, like, if there was anyone who knew about the cheating, it was me. I would know their specific names, where they live. Uh, what they do so I really knew all these women who came into our life at some point when I was about 12 yeah I was about 12 my mom asked me like Diana you have been knowing your dad is cheating because so I remember uh, my mom found a letter I'd written to my dad like I said I was very outspoken so (laughs) at that age I'd written to my dad about why is he cheating why is he hurting my mom why is he doing this what if she finds out you know and I'd be like I want you to be a better father and a better husband I want you to act like a proper decent gentleman and at that age it is 
like t- till date my mom still has some of those letters because my dad is a very he keeps a lot of stuff and he keeps a lot of writings same i think i took that habit from him i write a lot i keep letters like if you've ever written me a letter i'll keep it for a very long time so my dad used to keep his letters in his diary and my mom bumped into one of the letters and she saw it and my mom cried I remember I'd come back home I think it was like after two weeks of of not seeing her and my mom just called me and she's like oh you're my fighter you defend me I know we're not close but you defend me and I was like what are you talking about you know so my mom had bumped into that letter that's when my mom even confronted me like you know about your dad cheating because my mom didn't think I knew she thought I was just somewhere just not knowing I'm a kid but really I had known about that way earlier so about the moving out from home to home it was more of an abrupt thing like one day I'm meeting this woman and the next thing um we are out living with her. We bought new clothes, you know. Next thing they have, I maybe they used to have arguments or because sometimes I was never there. Maybe I'd been taken for a play date. I come back and my dad is like, we're going back home to see your mom. So anytime he would say we're going back home to see your mom, I knew there was an issue in paradise and we're going back home and we're probably going to be home for maybe a week or two. And then we go back to a different lady after he meets a new one. So it was kind of... I just never had a steady place. If there's anything I remember about my mom, she was very concerned. She used to she used to get so concerned and it was the closeness with my dad that used to get to her. She's like this girl is inseparable from her dad, but she never even used to know sometimes where we're going cuz we would say cuz my dad is Tanzanian. So my dad would say sometimes we're going to Tanzania and we'd just be in Nairobi somewhere, you know. <laughs> We'd be around just somewhere in some woman's house or we're we're renting the place and the woman is with us. It was it was more of an on and off thing. I never really had a steady place for the holidays, most of the days. And my brother sometimes he he would also have the same kind of place at, at times because my mom was going through deep depression. So I used to prefer my brother being around. So um, I'd just turned 12. I remember it was my birthday. We had, we'd gone to Tanzania and then we came back. After we came back, it was quite, I was tired of the moving around. I was just tired of moving from place to place. That day, I remember the lady that was with my dad, she was so mean to me. She was so rude to me. And she said, I'm a spoiled brat, that I don't care about anyone but myself. And I was just, I was so pissed off. And weird enough, the lady uh, had a daughter my age, but her daughter was in the States with her dad. The daughter was not in Kenya. So we had gone from uh, buying clothes for myself, the the lady's daughter, my brother. So I remember I came back home. I was crying. I was just pissed off. I confronted my dad. I just told him he either needs to stop, he needs to choose. I will not be his daughter anymore, you know. I I literally broke down and fussed about it. And that's the actually also the first time I ever saw my mom in front of us. Because my mom, like I said, she was more of traditional uh kind of parents. Like she would she would rather pray about it. She would rather confront him maybe 
she never, uh, no, I don't think she ever confronted him before that, but she would rather pray about it, talk to her friends, you know, her family, church friends. Yeah, so that was the first time my mom confronted my dad about that. And my mom was like, don't you think you're ruining this girl's life by showing her so many women? This kind of thing is not good for a kid. And my dad was really apologetic for that moment. I would say for that moment, because after that still, he he still continued, but now he started like trying to hide them from me. So my, my mom confronted my dad and my dad was very apologetic and he apologized to me and he said, you know what, I will change. And after that, I remember, again, we go back to Tanzania this time, we were me and my brother and this lady that I really didn't like. And now my dad had another woman uh, who was pregnant by then in Tanzania. <laughs> so here we are. This other woman who's pregnant was so nice to me. So I remember um, we were left there with my brother for a day. She took us for swimming. She bought us food. And I did not know this other Kenyan lady is on her way to, uh, to Tanzania. So you can imagine uh, we finish and we're done. And she takes us back to the hotel room with my brother where my dad is. And they just have a major confrontation. We are in the sixth floor of this hotel and they have a major confrontation with this Kenyan lady who has just gotten there we just got in it's like I think we arrived in the same at the same time at the hotel my dad is there this ladies have a confrontation my dad is just seated there looking at them they fight uh one of them uh the other the, the Kenyan lady throws my dad's phone through the balcony she's screaming and my dad was like Diana we need to go we just left them and after that I just looked at my dad and I was like, is this the life you really want? This has no peace. This has no happiness. This It just doesn't have peace. And my dad just looked at me and he shook his head. He didn't say anything. He was also, he felt very embarrassed about it because, you know, it was, it was a whole confrontation. It was the, to the point managers were called, bouncers were called to remove the ladies because they were breaking things in the hotel. And my dad could not let us stay there. He just told me and my brother, we need to leave. We'll come back later. So we left and then uh, we came back to Kenya. And afterwards, he got to actually leave this lady, but he left her on a different uh, term because this lady was actually cheating on him with one of his very, very close friends. So it was so weird that the cheetah was being cheated on and he got found out. So actually when he found out I was in school, so I came back and I was like, oh, she's not there anymore. We've changed. <laughs> so I, I got to find out later on that apparently he found out she was cheating. So, yeah, so uh, here we are. Still, I go to high school, still same behaviors. It was, it was just a whole, it was like a whole merry-go-round with him and the cheating. So um, here we are, the back and forth uh, in my high school. I was really never an open person uh, when it came to opening up to friends or telling people. Like, I, I would crack a joke or two, like, yeah, my dad has very many women and that that would be the end. Like, I never, I never really got to address the issue or open up to a friend and tell them this is what I'm going through this this is what I feel you know I would literally laugh with so many people talk to so many people but not about my personal issues I would just talk about basically just anything we can talk about just not my personal issues or if we have to get personal it I'll just joke about it and leave it just drop the whole thing you know so 
for me, I had to grow up very fast. Remember, I have a younger brother who I have to take care of in the essence of since my mom was going through depression and my dad was busy out there minding his own business. I had to be the mom to my brother. I have to be his dad, you know, just be there for him in the essence of, okay, what do you need? You you know, I'll, I'll be your big sister. I'll defend you. I'm still your mom. If anything happens, you need any talk to me. It was quite awkward because I, I basically could not open up to anyone. And I think I've carried that till date because I don't have even very many close friends. I have one or two. And that one or two friends, it's been a back and forth of them trying to figure out that she wants me in her life because she, she just locks me out sometimes but they get to understand me thank god for that so i had to grow up very fast i had to be there for my brother because the older siblings as well they were being given at least attention by my mom but like i said my mom was going through much depression and for her she they were there for us financially they were there for us to give us anything but being there emotionally being there like just as a kid, you know, like, what what are your friends like? Basically, I think if you asked my mom, my friends, she'll just tell you one friend in my whole lifetime of primary and high school. That's because she was just busy. She would visit us and she'd bring stuff and they would send money. But no one was there, like, to know, like, okay, how is she, you know, what is going on through her life? Is she going through something with her friends or at it was just never that and I was always in boarding school so also my brother joined boarding school way early because I was he was always around me so he joined boarding school way early so even when I would change schools because I would change schools a lot my brother would follow me and he would get like to the primary of that boarding school because most of them were private schools and they had a secondary and uh, primary and it helped me in the sense that when I grew up I knew I had to become independent I had to just work for my own I had to get my own I had to get an education. I had to, you know, and my grandfather, who was basically more like my dad, I remember before he died, um, we were very, very close as well. He used to tell me, education is the best gift your parents can give you. And I remember seeing his wife fight over wealth after he died. I think I was in Form 3. And his wife and kids fought a lot over his wealth. Uh, at least my dad's and, like, uh, their family, I think just two siblings got involved in that. But the rest were just fighting over his wealth. And I was like, I just don't want to be there. Having that I have this many siblings, having that we're so many, I don't want to get where maybe, uh, God forbid, my dad passes and we have to fight over his wealth. So for me, I, I became very independent early. I became mature very early. I knew what I wanted. Just after high school, actually, we started getting close with my mom because that's when she started over coming her depression and she started paying attention to us and my mom would be like Diana you don't talk out stuff you just you just don't talk out things you go through things and you just let them pass and that's how I was used to I was used to I'll go through something I'll hurt inside I'll maybe cry I'll I'll get over it I'll just be cold towards the whole situation and ignore it and just bump it somewhere so I had so much bitterness in me because I remember there was a day uh, she forced it and she forced it and she tried to address it and I told her I can't. And I remember when she tried to do that for more than an hour, I started having bad migraines. I started having like a panic attack. I've never had that before in my life. And for someone who basically did medicine because I just tried, I used to try to understand like 
what what is my dad like you know i'm men like first so i did i did nursing and psychology and i want to major in my psychology but for me to dive into psychology it was because i really wanted to understand the behavior of my dad i wanted to understand why he used to do the things he used to do but also i knew i wanted to go through therapy but i could not i just could not i could not let anyone dive in there because it was hard that i took up for very many years and anytime I would try to open up about it I would just crash I would because I could not understand how could someone just be this cruel for this many years you know it also affected me in essence that anytime I'd get into a relationship I would have rather walked away than addressed an issue I felt could get to me or if I saw something that reminded me of my dad I would literally walk away I remember this this guy I was dating I really liked him but for me when I say like I've never given a lot when I get into a relationship I would get into a relationship I know the person has given 100% but I've given like 10 or 20 but that's because I used to think like this person could leave any time this person could just disappear from my life you know it it i could not have them tomorrow so what else do i have for myself i have me i remember this guy we were in a very good place we were planning a future and then there's this one time i went to a trip in dubai with my friend and i remember him asking me for a picture when i just arrived at the airport he was the first person i called and i told him i'm here and he's like can you send your pic- friends pictures i was like they've not arrived uh since we're all coming from different parts of the country because it was like a school reunion uh a university reunion so i was like i'll let them arrive and then i'm going to take pictures later on and i remember he asked me the second time when i was still at the airport about the picture and it just triggered it triggered my dad it triggered i don't want this kind of life where someone doesn't trust me because i've i've seen my mom go apart from my dad cheating i've seen my mom go through trying to prove herself to be faithful and that's I think the worst thing you can have in your life where she would my mom would maybe be getting late from work and she'll call the whole family from my siblings to even my steps and she's like I'm going to get late from work so you guys just yeah I'm informing you as courtesy cuz that has always been my mom till date and she'll even inform my dad but my dad would be like you're cheating at uh, the men at work you know he would just he would bring up things sometimes he would even accuse her with his friends you know the way his friends would care like how are you are you okay cuz there's actually a really really good friend of my dad's who's muslim and he would care like how are you doing because he knew he knew what my dad is putting my mom through and my dad would always accuse her like you guys have something and my mom even would stop talking to his friends to the point she's trying to prove she's innocent there's really nothing so i knew i never want such a life so anytime i'd get in a relationship and there was no trust or just a bit i feel there's a bit of doubt anything that would trigger me to remember my dad i would leave that man actually after he asked for the second picture i didn't talk to him the whole trip and i really really liked him and when i came back i tried to address it but i could not really tell him that listen this this is why i couldn't send you the picture because i didn't want to feed you insecurities because i've seen my mom feed my dad's insecurities which 
they were really nothing. She never, she she has never cheated in her life. She has always been faithful. She's the kind of person, even when she's going to the supermarket, she'll tell us, I'm, I'm going to the supermarket. Does anyone want to come with me, you know? And she'll drive there even if she's alone. But most of the time she'll insist having us. So I knew I'd never want to have insecurities. I would never be that person who checks my partner's messages or his calls or snoop around where he is. So if I would feel like that I'm having doubts about the person, I would walk away and maybe explain later, you know, I would I would end the relationship. Or sometimes I just go MIA and the person is would be like, you're very cold. But it's it's cause all that taught me to just I, I've been trying to work on it of late. But it just taught me to be very hard, to be very cold, to know that people, especially men, can live your life. So why would I want to give 100% like my mom did? And as much as, yes, she's become better, she suffered through so much. I don't think I have that much strength. I don't think I can become her because she, she, she was strong. I keep telling her till today. She was strong to raise kids that were not hers. She was strong to go through someone who's cheating and they are bringing the insecurities to you. They they are trying to treat you like you don't, you know, you don't, they don't value you at some point. Like some point he'll be treating her like a queen and the next day he's changed that I just didn't want that in my life. And I think anytime I would get Anyone who would just trigger me and I see a certain behavior that reminded me about my dad, I would I would just leave that relationship. I would be like, I don't think this is worth for me. So I think for my siblings, since the others are step and the younger ones were not born then, it was just me and my brother. My brother, for him, he he just he changed because he had a very distant relationship with my dad he because he was a mother's boy you know he's he's totally a mother's boy so for him he became a better man that's to start with I would say that because my brother is not he is the soft-spoken kind of people he'll not cheat he's very faithful but also he became very distant it's it's like blocked any kind of relationship they had with my dad it's like there are people who see each other and they'll pass each other in the house and just say hi, they're strangers. Or sometimes their business their business partners, he'll, he'll be called by my dad like, I need you to do this for me. He'll do. He'll be like, I've done it. Thank you. That's it. You know, they don't have that father-son relationship that, oh, son, I love you. Um, Son, come. No, they just have, this is what I need. Are you going to do it? For him, I think it changed him in that essence. And also he just be, became a better man to people he has dated he he literally treats them and values them so much because I think he never wanted to see anyone go through that what my mom went through so my relationship with my dad now what can I say uh, at some point I went when I was breaking down about three years ago I went silent I could not talk to my dad I could not I could not just even reach out to my dad and it was so awkward because everyone in the family knew um the daddy's girl you go through me if you want anything from my dad and I just went silent for a while and then later on um my mom tried to fix the whole relationship and now we we talk we are okay I think I just got to the point I accepted like you know what 
if he'll change, he'll change. If he won't change, it's still okay. As long as he doesn't show it to me, as long as he doesn't show it to my younger siblings, since I know what me and my brother went through, it's okay. He can just be who he is. I don't know if he has changed because it's been so long since I had, I think like two, three years now it's been long since i had even my mom complain about a woman but for me it got to the point i just blocked it all i blocked it i was like if i'm ever gonna uh forgive him and be okay with what he did i'll just have to block the fact that i knew everything i knew and just move on in the essence of okay fine it happened it happened i forgive you i addressed it enough times i don't think i have the energy to address it now i'm i'm just I'm way past that. We still talk and my mom is, I could say my my younger siblings have now the best mom because she's more attentive to them. She is there for them, not just financially, but even emotionally. She's there for them, like to help them do something like homework. My mom, I never had that in my life. Like my mom helping me do homework or I would be the one helping my brother. I, I had to study for myself. So she's in a much better place now, I would say. And I think with all the prayers, they might have worked. I'm not really, I cannot say I'm 100% sure they worked because <laughs> I just don't pay attention to it anymore. But she's in a much better place. She is in a happy place. She also, she got to a place where she set herself free from even things like, you see, when, when something becomes a habit, it just it just has to go on. Because even to some point now, if she gets late at home, my dad will be like, oh, uh, you're with, I don't know who at work. And she just doesn't answer. She ignores it. And I'm like, yes, that's that's the woman you should be. So she has had a drastic change Um, after all those years. She has worked on herself. She has known that feeding his insecurities will not matter because I think back then uh, she used to think if she does she will believe I have no idea and also it just taught me extramarital affairs are very expensive because throughout the years I've seen my dad spend a lot when I say spend a lot I don't mean like 20,000 in a week or a month I mean there's a time till date we still laugh about that with my mom there's time my dad got one million because he's a business entrepreneur he's very if there's anything that god blessed him with and i think i liked taking that after him it's being an entrepreneur and also just like to just double money and know where to put it so there's a time my dad when he was with that woman i one one the only woman i said i did not like (laughs) when he was with her he spent nine million in two months and we were all shocked we were like wait it could not be, you know. And back then, I mean, right now, nine million is still a lot, but back then it was a lot, you know. So apparently, the woman had built her house because after the relationship, she had a house. She had built a house for her parents. So I think that's also where part of the money went to. And other things, I I know extramarital affairs are very very expensive. I do not know how people manage them, but for me, it's just taught me that. And I also knew I just don't want a man who wants to have affairs because that will cost us as well money because it will be our money because I remember so many times I've told my mom even if it means just leaving this 
marriage and just going staying on your own remarrying we give you the blessings you know and as a christian she doesn't believe in divorce uh if she divorces she doesn't believe she can ever remarry so i used to tell her then divorce and just stay alone you don't have to remarry you just have to look for your happiness because you can't depend on anyone for your happiness catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless i am so thankful to diana for just you know, just allowing us that deep into her life and her experiences. It's one of those things that people don't talk about, maybe because you don't know how to navigate those conversations, especially if it's your dad and this person who you idolized or really looked up to making these grave mistakes or choices, actually, that are then hurting this other person who you look up to and you care for. It's 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 a bit tricky to navigate. So I'm, I'm very thankful that she opened up about it. I also love that she spoke about how, you know, the experiences that she went through in her childhood affected her to date, like even her relationships and, and, and things. Because sometimes we, we don't think that our childhood had such a huge impact in our lives and the way we view things and the choices that we make, they do. (laughs) Your childhood is, oof, it really does contribute so much to the person that you are today and the decisions that you're taking. You know, it almost reminds me of the previous episode, actually, where my big sister shared her story about her journey through motherhood. And there was something she said where you have to be so intentional when you have a child because everything you do is going to affect them negatively or positively. You know what I mean? And I remember having this conversation with my very good friend, Roy. We were talking about how parents in that moment when they're having an interaction with their child, they will say something that will stay with the child for life. And if you even tell, you know, years down the line, you tell that parent, oh yeah, you know, you say this and it affected me this way. They can't even remember because to them it was nothing, you know, but to this child to their child, it was something that scarred them or inspired them. It's basically stayed with them the entire life. I think that's also the reason why I'm just like, nah, I don't know if kids are for me. It's such a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and you're also human. I don't know. It just feels like a very huge responsibility. Yeah. So if you identified with this story in any way, shape or form, I would love to hear from you. You can just record a voice note and send that to the Legally Clueless hotline via WhatsApp, which is plus 254-768-628-790. You can also, if you want to share a story on this podcast, record a one-minute story demo, send it to that hotline and um, we'll take it from there. Also, you could alternatively, if you really want to share your story on this podcast, fill out the Google form. There's a Google form. A link to it is in the description of this episode. A link to it is in our Instagram link in bio. You can just fill out the form. I just ask some very basic, interesting questions and then I will get back to you and we'll figure out when to record your story virtually. So wherever you are in the world, you can be able to share your story on this podcast. And speaking of people sending things to the hotline, my morning was made. The first message on the hotline was from Uganda. <laughs> Shout out to everybody in Uganda. Ah, it just really warmed my heart. Hey, hey, Adela Jango. This is Guiref, all the way from Uganda. Yeah, one of your loyal fans. So I've listened to episode 113 and like, oh, this and Marie. Like the storytelling is very real. In fact, this is my favorite episode. 
though I've been listening, I think from episode 50, but this is the best, like, she needs a Grammy Award. You need to call her back. I really thank you for the support and the all all the things. Thank you so much, Bure. I have sent your messages to my sister and I will definitely be trying to get her back on the podcast again. I'm also really trying to get her to write. Well, I can't say I've really started trying just yet, but I have planted the idea in her head because I think she, when she was preparing for the story, she wrote it down and it was such an enjoyable read for me. that I'm like, oh my word, your rawness is so beautiful. It's so needed, especially when it comes to issues around motherhood or whatever issues around life, really. Wish me all the best with that. (laughs) And I really do appreciate the love coming from Uganda. I might be in Uganda in August. So crossing my fingers about that because, you know, this pancake panoramic that we're in (laughs) just keeps shifting things. Remember also this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya. So it plays on Wednesdays and on Mondays at 12 noon and 7 p.m. and on Fridays at 12 noon. So just go to traceradio.co.ke and you'll be able to stream it there or you'll see a list of all the frequencies where you can catch the radio station on while you're in Kenya. Final thing, new audio episodes go out every Monday if you're new to the Legally Clueless fam. And of course, we have our newly launched video series. New episodes there go out every Friday and it's on our YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm so impressed with my neighborhood. It's so silent today. In fact, I'm like, did people leave and go somewhere? (laughs) And not tell me like no water pumps nothing nothing at all that's where's everybody (laughs) that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode